Chapter 58 Bathroom Pass Even with the convertible top-up, Nix could make out a lone figure in the driver's seat. Is that Dylan Porter, I think, Jordan said. Which means Eric Patterson is probably somewhere on campus, but not planning to stay long. Nix nearly set off sprinting to the home ec room. You don't think they came back to hurt Ms. Winkle again? Not in broad daylight, but now's your chance to make sure it's the same guy. Nix had all but forgotten Sergeant Frost wanted the goatee kid identified before making a move. The math teacher returned and glared at Jordan and Nix, who quickly took their seats. Stacks of polynomials and matrices packets made their way down the rows, inspiring a wave of groans and shallow breathing. I wouldn't wait, Jordan whispered. Tell Slowy you feel sick or something. Nix raised a shaky hand, pleased she wouldn't have to lie for this one. Yes, Phoenix. She allowed her full exhaustion to show. I don't feel well. Can I go to the bathroom? Take your packet with you. I want the first two pages done in class, or the stall, as the case may be. Nix didn't scowl at him, but it was a close thing. She moved with exaggerated lethargy into the empty hallway. A muffled, angry voice came from one of the classrooms a few doors down. McGuckin. Although Nix pitied whomever was on the receiving end, having the vice principal otherwise occupied was an unbelievable bit of luck. Nix tucked the packet under her arm and ran for the exit at the opposite end of the building. Halfway there, she skidded to a halt. Staring at her from behind one of the heavy red doors was Daniel Fry. He was short, so only the top half of his face was visible in the window. She could tell from the evil tilt of his eyes that he meant to cause her trouble. Nix waffled a minute, wondering if she should go back the way she'd come. No, she'd take small Fry over McGuckin any day. As casually as possible, Nix moved to the free door and pushed. It wouldn't open. Danny's eyes smiled through the other window. Little turd. Didn't he know by delaying her he was impeding justice? Well, a foot in the door might have stopped a skinny girl, but it wasn't going to stop Nick's whack. She faked a scowl, turned to leave, then spun and slammed her entire weight against the door. This time there was no resistance, and Nick's toppled onto the sidewalk. She ripped two holes in her pants and bloodied both knees. So much for her only pair of good jeans. Danny's hideous laughter raised bumps on her neck and arms. I guess losing an ear throws off your balance. Want to see if losing an arm affects yours? Danny took a few steps back. Without his bodyguard, his only defense was not to get caught. Nix toyed with the idea of chasing him down and pounding his teeth out, but finding the goatee boy was the only thing that mattered. The campus was pretty much deserted. Apparently, the ghost enthusiasts had realized nothing interesting was going on at the high school and had gone to get lunch or maybe to buy tickets to visit Dibble's haunted murder house. That should make it easier to find who she was looking for. Did you see anyone else out here? Nix asked. She didn't expect Danny to tell the truth, but thought his reaction might give something away. Like who? A tall kid with facial hair? He your baby daddy? Nix could tell Danny hadn't seen any such person. Either Danny hadn't been outside long, or the goatee boy was staying clear of the central sidewalks. Made sense if he was trying to avoid McGuckin. Well, you better get back to class before McGuckin catches you. Nix inched around the building to get a better view of the parking lot. The blue Mustang still waited. McGuckin's the one who sent me out here, idiot. Nix rolled her algebra packet into a club. Danny took another step back and waved a stack of pink papers. He sent me to pick up some in-school suspension forms from the office but I'm sure he'll be happy to know you're out of class. I'm just as legal as you are, Nick said through clenched teeth. Mr. Slowey let me go to the bathroom. 
Ah, Flip, she should have said office. So, you go to the bathroom outside like a real elephant? I didn't think they made toilet paper that big. That did it. The world turned a violent shade of crimson, and Nix took off after Danny at a dead run. He dashed off laughing. Nix knew it was useless. The kid was much too fast. Yet there was always the chance he'd trip or get himself cornered, and then all the huffing and sweating would be worth it. But Nix didn't even get a chance to dampen her armpits before she saw it. A hundred yards away, a figure emerged from behind the wolverineless pedestal and disappeared again beyond the west building. Nick slowed. Was it him? Or just a straggling ghost nut? She certainly wasn't going to find out with Danny tagging along. She'd have to lose the twerp. Danny ran in place, clearly disappointed in the short pursuit. You really are a tub of lard. Guess I'll go tell Gucky where you are. Go ahead, he'll find me in the bathroom, and then he'll know you're an idiot. Yeah, right, he'll find you getting it on with your boyfriend. Nix kept her jaw clamped and faced the building. Danny's voice grew louder. They should make a law about fat people getting together. We have enough tubbos without you making more. Nix gripped her packet tighter. Forget him. The boy who hurt Ms. Winkle was all that mattered. But how could she get away to find him? Anywhere she went, Danny would follow and tattle to McGuckin. Unless she really did go to the bathroom. He couldn't follow her in there. She knew what she had to do. She raced back inside the building with Danny on her heels. She passed the girls' bathroom. She needed one that locked from the inside. McGuckin's voice grew louder. Nix half expected him to appear and whisk her off to detention. But whatever was going on in the art room was enough to keep his attention for a few more seconds. Nix reached the faculty bathroom. She tried the handle. Locked. An impatient voice came from the other side of the door. Just a second! A moment later, the library aide stepped out, looking flustered. He seemed surprised to see Nix and Danny, but hurried down the hall without a word. You can't use that bathroom, Danny said. It's for... The sound of the running toilet drowned him out as Nix stepped into the unlit bathroom and locked the door. A small gagging sound escaped her throat, and she pulled her shirt up over her nose. With her free hand, she fumbled along the wall in the dark. Her packet fluttered to the floor, but she ignored it. Where was that light switch? No, she was wasting time. She wouldn't need the lights anyway. Nick set her face in a grimace and lay on the cold floor. She tried not to imagine what disgusting germs were now coating her back and working their way into her hair. She relaxed her breathing. It was harder this time because each time she managed to slow her heartbeat, she thought of Danny's stupid face staring at the bathroom door. Or maybe he'd gone to get McGuckin, and that sent her pulse thumping again. She needed something to take her mind off whatever was happening in the hallway. Worst case scenario, she'd get detention for using the faculty bathroom. Since there was nothing to see in the dark, Nix focused on the sounds coming from the toilet, the gurgle of the water in the bowl, the hissing of the pipes filling the tank. Another strange sound Nix didn't recognize, but by then she had relaxed enough to clamp down on the release switch that kept her body and soul fastened. The room went from black to bluish purple. In the same instant, Nix stood exactly where she'd last seen the skulking figure, nothing but grass and bricks. She reminded herself to also keep a lookout for clouds of darkness rocketing toward the faculty bathroom. She had no desire to unleash a demon on the school. Also, she was not keen on being convicted of mass murder. Nick shot 50 feet in the air, but could only see rooftops and trees. She returned to ground level and flitted across the campus in a grid pattern. No evil spirits or dark-haired goatee boys. How could someone simply disappear? Nix made her way back to the parking lot. Dylan still sat rigid in the blue convertible, jiggling one knee. Look in the direction of your friend. Dylan kept staring into space. I can't believe you let a freshman order you around. 
This car isn't even that cool. Dylan didn't react to her ghostly whisper. What was the point of having an awesome rushing water voice if no one could hear it? Where is Eric? Nix rumbled. Dylan's other knee took up the jig. What could Goatee Boy possibly be doing that required a getaway car? Maybe stealing something? Instead of thinking like a police officer, Nix needed to think more like a juvenile delinquent. She started at the car and followed the path alongside the vandalized mascot. The kid wasn't behind the West Building. That had been one of the first places she'd checked. But if she kept going in the same general direction, keeping to trees and backs of buildings, where would it lead? Nix rounded a corner and spotted a white sneaker in a bush. Her first thought was that the stupid mutt from the graveyard had brought her shoe all the way down the hill, but as she drew closer, the shoe moved. It was attached to a leg. Nix materialized in the bush. She hadn't meant to appear quite so close to him. It felt so weird to secretly invade a stranger's personal space, and by weird she meant awesome. It was definitely him, the boy she'd caught reclining on Mr. Abendroth's bed. The goatee was gone. He looked younger without facial hair, although he did have a patchy five o'clock shadow. Now what? Nix was 92% sure this was Eric Patterson, but she had to be positive before she officially accused anyone of assault. Could she follow him around until someone said his name? How long did he plan to cower in the bush? This brought up another question. What the flip was he even doing? Despite being able to examine him in minute detail, Nix eventually grew bored. He hadn't moved except to stick his head through the leaves and peek into a classroom window. Was he waiting for the teacher to leave so he could rummage through the desk? Nix walked through the bricks and found herself in an empty room with faucets and gas spigots, the chemistry lab. She couldn't see anything valuable that might interest a 14-year-old hoodlum. Anxiety bled into her boredom. Her body lay in the bathroom like a demon open house. She really should take a minute to oxygenate her blood. But what if the creep was gone when she got back? She probably should have thought this through before dropping off her body like valet parking. At that point, the door opened and Mr. Urbanek entered, carrying a box of Bunsen burners. The boy rapped hard against the window. Urbanek lost the grip on the box, which landed roughly on a nearby desk. Urbanek strode to the window and wrenched it open. What are you doing here? He hissed. About time you showed, old man. I said after school at the cemetery entrance. The boy drummed his fingers on the glass. You and your graveyard. Turns out I've got plans after school. What? They knew each other? Despite Nix's surprise at seeing them chatting like old friends, she couldn't shake the feeling she'd seen this pair before. She realized with a start that she'd dreamed about them the night she'd fallen into the grave. No, not dreamed. She must have seen them in her spirit form. She remained completely still. She knew they couldn't see her, but years of spying habits died hard. Urbanek struggled to undo a button on his cuff. This place was crawling with nosy strangers an hour ago. If someone sees, relax, I'm a student here, remember? Mr. Urbanek scoffed and moved on to the other sleeve. If McGuckin saw you actually here, he'd know something was up. I can't help if I have a sickly nature and my grandpa insists I rest at home, the boy said in a bored voice. But if you really want me to leave... He made an exaggerated show of turning to go. Fine, let's make it quick. Mr. Urbanek gave up on the second cuff button, put his foot up on a desk, and pulled something from his shoe. Nix moved closer, so close she could count the black chest hairs creeping up from his collar. The boy reached through the window, and Mr. Urbanek placed a roll of bills in his open palm. You've really got to find a better place to keep your cash, the boy said with a grimace. I don't want to be smelling your sweaty socks all day. Why would a teacher owe a student money? The idea that this might not be entirely legal sent a rush of excitement through Nix. Jordan wasn't going to believe it. Urbanek inched closer to the window. 
Stop wasting time and hand it over. I've been out for three days. You said you were going to... Hold it, old man. The boy flipped through the bills. Where's the other half? For a moment, Mr. Urbanek stood dumbfounded. I'm only asking a couple packets, he finally managed to say. That is the exact amount I paid last time. Urbanek had reverted into his teacher voice. I'm the adult, you're the child. Don't argue with me. The formerly goateed boy didn't seem affected by this change of tactics. Hey, more risk, more profit. Supplying a teacher who burns his own house down is a big risk. What? Was he saying Urbanek was responsible for the fire? The boy's last statement somehow felt different passing through her. Her whole being vibrated like a gong. Urbanek growled a response, but it was drowned out by the Wolverine announcing the end of class. End of class? How long had she been here listening? Mr. Slowey had probably sent someone out to find her by now. Well, technically, Nix was still in the bathroom. If she didn't hurry, she'd be late for her next class, not to mention brain dead. But there was no way she could leave yet. Mr. Urbanek seemed in just as much of a hurry as Nix, now that the period was over. Fine, give me half and get out. With a smug grin, the boy produced a small notepad and scribbled, Urbanek, 0.05 ounces. And when should I schedule your next purchase? I'll call you after I get the money. Urbanek said, his tone making it very clear he wasn't satisfied with the service. And my name better not be anywhere in that little pad of yours. Relax, old man. This is my life. I know how to keep it safe. With that, the boy closed the notepad and tucked it neatly into his underwear band. It was Urbanek's turn to grimace. But before he had time to make a comment, the halls filled with the sounds of slamming lockers. Urbanek rattled off names of various deities. The boy took that as his cue to produce a tiny pink packet with sweet and low printed in blue letters. This time don't smoke it in bed, idiot. What the heck? Urbanek smoked artificial sweeteners? Paco gave those out free with purchase of a medium coffee or tea. Wait. Nix's superior vision spied a hairline cut along the side of the packet, which had been expertly resealed with some sort of glue or clear nail polish. Whatever was in there was not for Urbanex coffee. Urbanex snatched the bag and slipped it into his sock. If you ever show up at my classroom like this again, I'll turn you in myself. The boy laughed. He wasn't stupid. Mr. Urbanex slammed the window shut just as the first students entered. Nix didn't know what to do or where to go. Her mind was still grappling to make sense of everything. Urbanek buying drugs off students? And to think, all that time Urbanek had been accusing her when he'd started the fire. Nix was too excited to be angry at the injustice. She didn't know whether she should tell McGuckin or go straight to the police. Jordan would know. He was going to freak out. She'd gone to identify a criminal, only to come back with more crimes. Identify a criminal? A spike of panic shot through her. Nix had completely forgotten about verifying the boy's name. What good would it do to know he dealt drugs if she wasn't even positive who he was? Nix sped back outside and her panic eased a little. The boy was at the end of the building, crouched behind some kind of electrical box. At least she hadn't lost him. He seemed to be waiting for the sidewalk traffic to thin before he ventured into the open. No wonder Nix hadn't seen him at school. This kid had turned ditching into an art form. Now what? Nix knew she'd been out several minutes already. But if she went back into her body, she might lose him again. Even if she did make it back out before she got to the parking lot, she wouldn't be able to follow the car for long. What she really needed was a way to keep him from leaving the school. Could she get Jordan to slash his tires? No, if Eric's gang found out that it was him, Jordan would end up like Ms. Winkle, to say nothing of what Mr. McGuckin would do to him. McGuckin, that was it. Once the vice principal saw the freshman running around outside, the kid wouldn't be going anywhere but detention. First, she'd have to find McGuckin and give him a little push in the right direction. Hopefully he was still in the East Building. Nick shot across campus like a silent bullet. 
The walls and students reduced to flashes of color. The art room swam into focus. What in the world? McGuckin had Mrs. Finkbone backed into a corner, his finger an inch from her face. Let them die for all I care, but I expect you to be ten minutes early for every class from now on. Mrs. Finkbone nodded once, her expression unreadable. The last few students filed out of the classroom, leaving the adults alone. I'll be watching very closely, Vanessa. Nix didn't have time to find out what McGuckin was so worked up about. The boy might be at his car any minute. Window! Nix rumbled, with her hands to either side of McGuckin's head. He glanced at the clock. Where are your seventh period students? It's my prep hour, sir. Hey, slobberface! Nix yelled. There's a car out there that shouldn't be. It's going to drive off with Eric Patterson. This time, McGuckin looked quickly toward the window before turning back to Mrs. Finkbone. Just make sure you spend it here preparing. If you run out of things to do, I'm sure I can find a few more for you. Nix growled, which as a ghost didn't sound as cool as she thought it would. If the man would take four steps toward the window, he could see the Mustang in full view. Dylan stuck his head out the window and motioned to someone. The drug-dealing, dark-haired boy entered the parking lot at a jog. Crap, crap, crap! Outside! Nix rumbled in the deepest voice she'd ever managed. Her hands were practically touching his ears. Ditcher! The vice principal paused, as if considering the strange new thought that had finally penetrated his thick skull. Mrs. Finkbone took the opportunity to slip under his arm and return to her desk. McGuckin took two steps across the room, in the direction of the window, and then stopped and turned his ear toward the door. Now Nix heard it too. Sounds of shouting and unusually loud laughter in the hall. McGuckin headed for the door. Nix groaned. What a lovely time for a fight to break out. Nix followed McGuckin into the hall. Turn around, he's getting up! Nix froze. Instead of two brawling students, the crowd had gathered around a large puddle. What was going on? Had the drinking fountain sprung a leak? That's when she saw the water pouring from under the door of the faculty bathroom.